As I promised, the, uh, the sermon is based on the gospel lesson. And if you have uh, that, uh, that lesson, uh, or if you even have your own Bible there at home, I would you know, encourage you to, uh, to take that out and to, uh, to follow along as we go through this. Um, the uh, Gospel of John uh, really uses a lot of imagery of light and darkness, of sight and, and blindness through the whole thing. And uh, in fact, if you think back to John chapter 1, you know, it starts out, you know, in the beginning God created, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as you get down through, it says that in Him was light, and in that light was the life of, of men. And, uh, and, and so we have this image of Jesus being light that pierces the darkness. And in John chapter 9, Jesus encounters a man who was blind from birth. You know, so this, this is an individual who has, has never seen anything. And it starts out, it says, And Jesus passed by. He saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. This is something that happens often, that when something bad takes place, people ask, why? And often the assumption is that if something bad happens to somebody, it's because they did something bad. You know, and there's this, this theology that's out in the world that we call karma. And I'm going to tell you this morning that karma is not a Christian doctrine. Bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. And we are blessed to have a God who takes the bad things that happen and he uses them to his glory. He uses them to the benefit of those who love him. And so, you know, we're in this time where, um, you know, the governor didn't say shelter in place. He's been encouraging us to, uh, um, to just stay in our homes. And uh, he was asked yesterday, you know, when are you going to give the order to shelter in place? And he says, oh, that's pretty much semantic. What do you think I've been asking you to do all this time? Just stay home. You know, and, and you know, people are scared and they're looking around because of this, this COVID-19. And, and people are asking, why did this happen? And I know that there are people who are answering. It's because we sinned. It's because America has abandoned its Judeo-Christian roots and, and all of these things. And I got to put a big time out on that from what Jesus just said, or is about to say. When, when, when he was asked, who sinned that this man was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And I think that this is something that's important for us to, to consider as we go through this time. That COVID-19 isn't a punishment for our sin per se. But it is an opportunity for the works of God to be displayed. It is an opportunity for God's people to be people of the light, people of love, people of mercy and compassion, people of hope. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, 
I am the light of the world. And I believe that Jesus is giving us an opportunity to love our neighbors, to be his witnesses, to share the light that is within us. Because Jesus, Jesus only mentions two, two people who are the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. And he says, you are the light of the world. And this is an opportunity to let his light shine. So let's not be concerned about, you know, who sinned or, or why did this happen? But let's see this as a, a moment in time where we can love our neighbor and we can testify to the hope that takes us beyond the moment and takes us beyond the fears of the moment to say we know that there is more and there is better behind, beyond this and we can share with you the one who has secured our future. The reading goes on and says, Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Jesus spit. I just got to, you know, there, there's an image for you. Uh, he, he spits on the ground and he, so apparently he gets down, and he stirs it up and he makes mud. And he, he takes that mud and he had, it says he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And there's a little bit of a, I think, an image here taking us back to, to Genesis. Because if you remember how God made Adam, it was from the mud. And the word in Hebrew that it says that God made Adam, it's almost like, you know, he has his fingers in the clay forming him. And here we see God in human flesh, in the mud, to do his work. And he smears it on the man's eyes. And he tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means scent. So he went and he washed. And he came back seeing. Okay, don't try this at home. But this is, this is one of Jesus' great miracles. And we're going to find out why this is so significant a little bit further on in the reading. But he has just given sight to a blind man. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, Nah, it, it, it not he. It, it, it's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? I think pretty normal question. You know, how, how did you receive your sight? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Okay, recall, blind, mud, go. I didn't see which way he went, all right? So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. And here we get the moment. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. 
This is making a significant point because the people in that culture, the Pharisees in particular, were teaching, you can't do anything on the Sabbath day. And Jesus was constantly confronting that attitude that said, you you can't do anything to say, no, we need to be about the works of our Father. To be doing good and bringing light and life. And that's part of the Sabbath rest. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, check this. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. Talk about missing the point. Here you have a man who has never seen anything. Well, you did it wrong. Uh, Excuse me, does he see? Have you ever heard of this happening before? This, this, this isn't, you know, some kind of like small miracle. This is, this is a class A. This guy is the Messiah. This guy is God in human flesh miracle. But the only thing that the Pharisees can focus on is that he didn't do it the way that we thought he should do it. And I think that this is important for us, too, because I think that we're all um, Pharisees in recovery to some degree or another. And it's really easy for us to look around and to say, they're not doing it right. Oh, look at the way the Lutherans worship. They've got their liturgy and it's so cold and dead. They're not doing it right. Oh, look at the way that the Baptists do their, their, their worship services. It's so, you know, they're all over the place. It's only emotions and they're not doing it right. Is the word of God there? Is the forgiveness of sins there? Is Christ crucified proclaimed there? Can we give thanks and rejoice in what God is doing, even if it doesn't fit within our paradigm? But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them because some got it. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he opened your eyes, he said, he is a prophet. I think that's a pretty safe answer. Yeah, obviously God did something here. Uh, you know, he doesn't go out on the limb and say, hey, he's the Christ. He doesn't go out on the limb and say, this is the Messiah. Just, you know, obviously God sent him. The Jews did not believe he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? You know, okay, so if we think about, you know, how are we going to verify somebody's, you know, identity at this time? You know, it's, you know, you ask mom and dad, right? But we're going to notice how old this guy was later. This guy's an adult. This isn't like, you know, you know some you know, 12-year-old running around and, you know, hey, hey, I'm just faking or whatever. This guy's been around for a long time. 
Hey, mom and dad, here's your kid. Is this really him? Aren't you responsible for this guy? And they're like, mm-hmm. time out. Because they understand what this is, what, that there's something bigger going on here. So they ask him, how does he now see? And his parents answer, we know that this is our son. And we know that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. One of the things that we find when people follow Jesus is that sometimes there is a division that happens. The, the, the people in the life beforehand can't accept what God has done in their life. And sometimes even the family will find themselves in a place where they won't accept what Jesus is doing in someone's life. And essentially what these parents do is they find themselves in a fearful position with the authorities that are there and they throw their son under the bus. No, no, no. Leave us out of this. Let him speak for himself. He is of age. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already, and this is what says the Jews, it's talking about the leadership of, of the Jewish people. Um, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. They were to be kicked out of church. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And the man who was formerly blind answers, he says, whether he's a sinner or not, I, I don't know. But one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. He's he just basically saying, look, I'm not pretending to understand all these things. But I know where I was, and now I know where I am. I know that a little bit ago I couldn't see, and now I can. And that's the evidence that Jesus has presented to these religious leaders. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him. They're deeply offended by this question. Do you want to be Jesus' disciples? And they said to him, you are his disciple, implying that he's faking this. You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And listen very closely to the man's answer. Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Read through the entire Old Testament. 
There's never anyone who is blind who receives their sight. The only time that it even speaks of a blind person receiving sight is in this context of talking about when the Messiah would come, that this is a time, that one of the signs that he is there. These religious leaders, they know this. And this is one of those signs that they should be saying, oh, it's him. But they're so wrapped up in their power structures that they, they, they can't give up on, on, on their ability to, to hold on to their control of their lives. Which might be an important lesson for us during this time, too. To have the freedom in the gospel to let go of the idea of control. Because I think that one of the things that we're learning is that we sure ain't in control. And we're going to have to learn to trust God to bring us through difficult times. They should have known that Jesus is the Messiah by what just happened. This is what the man basically says. But they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. Arrogance is, you know, not a good response. And they cast him out. And verse 35 says, Jesus heard they had cast him out. I wonder if Jesus was listening for that news. If he knew that that was going to happen. It's kind of inevitable. And he was listening. Uh, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, having found him, Jesus sought him out. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, in the Old Testament, the Son of Man is, is, is another uh, image for the Messiah, for the Christ. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. So this man who has never seen anything is now told, you're looking at the Savior of the world. Much like the woman from, from last week, the Samaritan woman. She goes back, you know, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. She was scandalous. There's a scandal with being born blind. Who sinned, this man or his parents? And they find out that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior. And he gets it because he says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Sometimes people say that Jesus never said that he's God. This is just filled with Jesus is God because he even accepts the man's worship. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees nearby heard him say these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. 
There is this line in, uh, in Isaiah that Mike read earlier that says, you know, who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger whom I send? He's talking about Israel. And he is talking about how they refuse to listen and they refuse to see. There's a sense of we know better. And I believe that this is something that we as modern day Christians need to be careful of too. That we don't place ourselves as judges over God's word. That we don't place ourselves in a position of standing above what God can do. But we place ourselves under the cross. Trusting that this really is the Messiah. That Jesus really is our Savior. And that he has died and risen to open our eyes that we may believe and receive forgiveness and salvation. Amen.